Welcome to the Rev 411 podcast. We're glad you've joined the conversation as we discuss purposeful living, living life with purpose and on purpose so that we can make a difference that matters. We would love it if you would listen, have a think, and send us your thoughts about today's discussion. And together we can help each other revolutionize the way we live. All right, well, welcome again to another podcast with uh, Rev411 and Josh Zacharias. Uh, it's good to have you here again. I'm with my friend, Pastor Frank Guglielmo. Did I say that right? You said it very well, actually. Okay, Pastor Frank, I believe he's uh, Italian background. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, more Southern Italian, so the more notorious side of the <laughs> Yes, Italian background. Okay, so I've known Pastor Frank for, I don't know, about five, six years, since 2018. Mm. Uh, this is the first time I visited his church, and I've been uh, blessed to interact with him throughout the years, uh, off and on since then. And uh, so today we are uh, here to, to chat a little bit about uh, living life with purpose and on purpose. So that's our, our tagline, living with purpose, uh, living with meaning. And our meaning ultimately found in, in Christ, living for God, and then on purpose with intentionality. Uh, so we can have the best desires, the best intentions, but without putting those to, to practice, um, you know, we won't accomplish anything for the Lord. And so uh, we've been discussing the, the big five questions of life, and uh, those listening know those. Um, but really, the, the main uh, thrust of it, the main verse that we've used is Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And so that will be, I guess, the, the first verse that we'll look at um, this morning or afternoon, whenever you're listening. And um, we just want to kind of get your thoughts a little bit on uh, what it means to, to live life with purpose in, in light of some of these scriptures. And uh, we'd definitely be interested to hear over uh, how many years have you been pastoring? Um, we've come up to 17 years now. Okay, 17. We, um, we uh, began the church um, 2006, I think. Um, but I've been a deacon before that and then mm -hmm. um, involved in young adults ministries before that. So I've been around for a little while. I got saved in 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a Catholic background, and sort of, we started well, we were essentially meeting at a uh, at a home doing Bible study first up. So I was introduced to Baptist churches later on in life. Okay. So I don't have like a lot of the connections that, the, that <laughs> right. a lot of the Baptists have. Uh, so I sort of come in from the side, <laughs> and uh, it's been a blessing. But the the Independent Baptist Church we first. Uh, uh, went was uh, Meadowview Baptist Church, which is a place where I first learned uh, the Word of God in a systematic sort of way and mm. learned that it was actually trustworthy in every sense. Right. And so I was able to, um, by the grace of God, build a foundation at that church and then begin to serve there. So I learned what service was at that church, and I, God um, blessed me with a number of godly men who I could not just learn from but begin to emulate. And so... Um, that was a huge blessing to see yeah, right. what it's like to live for Christ and uh, to serve in the local church. So, so what I take away from that is you're, you're kind of like the Apostle Paul coming in from the side, right? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I I appreciate what you said there because uh, I think it really does uh, fit in with, with the topic of the podcast as far as um, how God led you into that life of purpose. And now, obviously, his purpose for you is pastoring and has been for 17 years. Um, so uh, I guess what what I'd like to do today is if we can get some some of your thoughts on from from your experience even and how the lord has has directed you uh from your study of scripture mm-hmm. um you know how how our listeners which you know this is intended for for younger people who are still maybe asking some of those questions about um you know what does god want me to do what is my purpose um and so uh, we just have a list of a few verses here that we're going to kind of just run through mm-hmm. and that first one revelation 4 11 to me uh is is really the i guess the the central focus because it really uh i mean number one it shows us that god is the creator and so if god's the creator and, and by the way he created us it says uh, for his pleasure and that one is a, a cool phrase to me because uh god created us because he wanted to mm. it was his pleasure to create us mm. um, so that to me speaks of his love for us uh, but then also, if he created us because he wanted to for his pleasure, then what a a responsibility on us then as his creation to live for him, to please him. And uh, so I guess that's that's uh, been, I guess, a driving factor in, in my life for directing me on why I do what I do. But from that verse, what do you have any thoughts of, that would help our listeners? in terms of our purpose in life. And so I've often, I've been preaching a series recently uh, about the glory of God. I just finished that on Wednesday evenings. And the, to the intent that we were created for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so all of creation mm-hmm. uh, is created for his glory. So when you look at it and you break it all down, so the heavens declare the glory right. of God. So all of creation actually glorifies him I mean, it, it, it manifests it shows his his power his intelligence mm-hmm. his um uh, just his very nature um and when you look at that and you look at then the living beings that he's created and so the angels are created for his glory as well mm-hmm. and so you have this picture in isaiah um that you had these angels standing above the throne, just continually crying out, holy, holy, right. holy. And so they're manifesting and they're, they're declaring his goodness. And you look back and you go to the creation where he created man first up. Um, what I find enthralling and, and really um, captivating is the idea that he's created us in his image. And so, and then he gives us dominion of the world that he created. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, we were designed to glorify him from even looking like him yeah. so not even the angels have this particular setup okay this 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 the way we've been created as a tripartite spirit that is able to commune and create and do all these things yeah. um it is is really meant to reflect him and be these little mirrors right. that reflect to the universe what god is like uh, unfortunately, we fell, obviously. Right. Um, and so we have this image being marred um, in our lives. And so um, this this verse that you're looking at here in verse 411, that he's created us, he's created all things for his pleasure. And I, I love that because every, the things that he created are, are actually are there to please him. Mm-hmm. So to for all intents and purposes, that should be the focus of our lives, to please him. Right. But because we've fallen, 
the scripture tells us very clearly, so then uh, they, Romans 8, 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Mm. So if you're fallen, we are in a state we actually can't please him. And so you, Can I just jump in here real quick? Yeah. Um, maybe for some of those listening, maybe they're not familiar with the term fallen. Can you explain just a little bit what, uh, what that refers back to? Yeah, okay. So my understanding of the scriptures um, is that God created us in a perfect state. So we were created innocent. In other words, we had we had no sin marring us, which means we had not broken any of his laws. We hadn't rebelled against him. Uh, we were in a, a state of perfect union with God. So the scriptures actually talk about in Genesis the fact that he would walk in the garden mm-hmm. with them. And one of the things that which, which is interesting is that after they fell, it says they heard him his footsteps in the garden and they mm-hmm. hid behind the tree. Right, so right. it wasn't they, which I find enthralling. They actually recognize his footsteps in the garden they knew it was him so before they fell they were in this perfect walk with god in a perfect environment i mean he planted the garden and says to them i want you guys to look after this but when they fell when the bible says that when you know satan tempted eve and she took of that fruit and handed it to her husband adam uh, it was the only law that he had given us there was nothing else that we really had to, um, you know, follow or obey. But that one law in a state of perfect innocence, in a perfect environment, still meant with one temptation that we actually fell. And and God had already said that if, you know, the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. And the scriptures clearly teach that we died on that day. Um, we died spiritually. We became disconnected mm. from God. And I suppose death from a certain extent and from from a certain aspect is actually separation from God because God is life. God is the author of life. God is light, and, and that's why you have to send Christ in the world because he is the life, and the that light is the light of life of men. And so we became disconnected uh, from God, and we died on that day. And from that point on, we actually threw away everything that God had given us, um, but God was so merciful that he didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth he actually he's allowed us to live just so he can show us how much he loves us and so man's gone off on his own direction ever since then he's tried to live in an independent fashion he's every time god has revealed more and more of his laws which you find in the old testament um we just keep breaking more and more of it and so it actually so the law uh, on the Old Testament, people look at that and they say, oh, look how many laws God gave. But what's interesting is that it doesn't matter how many God gave. And so whether he gave one, whether he gave ten, uh, like as people see in the, 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 those, the moral laws that we see in the Ten Commandments, or whether he gave 600 plus to his own people, the constant uh, theme we have in the Bible is that our nature, our very nature is to break God's laws, is to actually rebel against him. And that's the fallen state. Mm. And I think that actually um, dovetails into our next uh, couple verses. But you had mentioned the verse in Romans, uh, so let me let you finish up that, and then we'll we'll dovetail into Genesis one twenty six. Yeah, because of our fallen state, it, it it stops us from being able to fulfill our the reason we were created, which is to please Him. Because it says that those who are in the flesh, which means still stuck in a fallen state, cannot, or they cannot please God. And so, and what I find interesting is if Romans 4.11 um, says that, you know, thou hast created all things 
and for their pleasure, they are and were created. Yet we have in Colossians 1.15, speaking of Christ, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And so that's speaking of Christ. So Christ is Mm. the manifestation of God in this world. God himself came into the world and didn't come into the world to please himself. Um, he came here to, to become a servant so that he could rescue us from our fallen state. But in that, it pleases him because he loves us, as you as you, you mentioned already. He created us for his pleasure, but it doesn't please him that we are fallen. It pleases him that we would be saved, and he came on a rescue mission to save us. And that's that's where the cross really comes into it. And so we see that amazing love of God there and um, we see then our, our, our calling, our purpose in life is to live a life that's pleasing to him. So Colossians 1.10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that's what mm. the Apostle Paul prays for the Colossians. So so it's, it's living a life that's pleasing to God. When God saves you, he reconnects you back to himself through the Holy Spirit. And so that which was dead within us um, now becomes alive, and all of a sudden we we see the world in a very different way, and we see that it's a good thing to be pleasing God. Mm. Actually, it brings us joy to please him, and you, we find our calling, we find our, we find our purpose in that. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing out uh, Colossians 1. 16, I think. Yeah. Well, 116, because yeah, yeah. The, it fits with Revelation 411. Mm. Um, I guess there'd be cross references, God being the creator, Christ being the creator. Yeah. And it's for his His glory. Um, but then you had mentioned in, in that discussion uh, of the fall, the term created in God's image. Mm. And Genesis 1, 26 tells us, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Um, and then Genesis 2, 7, we see that we're created living souls. And so um, we were created with the intention to have a relationship with God. That's really, I think, uh, really at the crux of our design, because we're not just physical beings. We have a spiritual element. Um, so how does that relate? And you've already mentioned how God has uh, worked to redeem us from this fall, this fallen state into our, our sin and our rebellion. Um, but how does how does uh, our relationship with God, how does this relate to our purpose and our understanding of, you know, our life, how, how we um, go about living life, but then also getting that sense of, of fulfillment and finding the ultimate purpose in life? Well, that the statement um, to live a life that's pleasing for him, and if, if the the whole notion about us being created for his pleasure um, can't be fulfilled by someone in a fallen state, right? Mm. So it's impossible for them to do that, nor would they want to do that because it goes against their own nature. So my understanding of Scripture is that when a person's saved, God actually plants a new nature within them. It's actually his nature. It's actually the, the, what Peter calls the divine nature. And then that almost that reignites us and opens up our eyes to what the truth is. God then through that is actually able to give us certain desires that we didn't have before. And so we actually, we actually begin to realize, because that new nature is dwelling within us, um, 
that there are certain things that are just bring you so much joy. Mm. And so I remember when I when I first got saved, um, and I was trying to, I'd heard the gospel for a number of years, and I was saved when I was 19 years of age, okay, while I was at university. And I remember hearing the gospel a number of times and, and actually agreeing with pretty much all the tenets that the Bible had and, and taught. And I remember I was actually, I was defending the Bible. And then one day this um, this girl that I knew who was a believer um, heard me speaking you know, and saying, oh, the Bible teaches this and the Bible teaches that. And she sort of, she hit me like a, well, she, she didn't hit me physically, <laughs> but she, she asked me this question, which hit me right between the eyes. She goes, are you a Christian? She goes, you talk like you're a Christian. Are you actually born again and saved? And and it actually, it offended me immediately. So I said, how dare you ask such a question of me? But then I went home that night and I actually asked um, God, what's going on? Like, well, I'm defending all of this stuff, but I actually haven't, I haven't chosen to call on you. I haven't put my faith in you. I'm believing in all of these things, but there's something definitely wrong here. And so I, I asked him into my heart that night. That that night, I actually, I I said to Christ, I, I do believe in you. I'm going to put my faith in you for the rest of my life, and I want to walk mm. in your paths. And um, and so <laughs> it's interesting because the next day I had this, um, I must have been pretty looking very happy, okay, because I was talking with, a, I went to school and, chatting with a few friends that were there. And one of the girls, as I was walking down a particular pathway, turned to me and said, well, you look really happy today. Something happened to you. And it didn't actually dawn on me until until she asked that question that actually, you know, the night before I'd actually, you know, given my heart to the Lord and I actually professed faith in him and I asked him to save me from my sins. And um, my, life had, my life had changed. So when I began talking about him, it brought me such joy. When I began doing things that were good, it brought me joy. When I was around other people who had that desire, it brought me joy. When I was reading his word and I learned something new, it brought me joy. Uh, learning more and more from his word actually was like such a fulfilling thing. I mean, I went into university um, uh, having been a bit of a physics buff, right? And that was my and, – and actually one of the reasons I went to university is I, I felt I could discover God through physics. That was one, one of my aims mm. until like second year when I realised there's no way you can discover God through mathematics. It doesn't It doesn't work. And so that's when I sort of took a bit of a, a side turn and began to look at uh, the Word of God. And it changed my life. Like my – my focus, whereas before was like on, you know, when I discover something new in, in physics, it would actually be exciting to me. Like now my focus was on when I discovered something new in the Word of God, it was like, wow, it just would blow me away. But then being able to live that and seeing that actually work through you, like it was such a new experience. And then the people that I would talk to, I didn't see the same way anymore. But these were people that, you know what, I would look at a certain way and think about in a certain way. Now I actually thought about him in a, in a completely different way. And that, and I know it didn't come from me. It came from something God had done to me. And so that's 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 this, this thing about pleasing God. It's actually God puts that in our, nat- our new nature. And so you find joy in doing that. And it, it's, it's like he's... he's He's recreated us, new beings, new creatures in him, 
And so I, I, I sense what Paul says about, you know, the whole of creation groans, uh, waiting for the sons of God to be manifest. And so um, it's important that we that we follow um, this new nature because the old nature is still floating around and it still wants to drag us back into this dead uh, life um, with the sorts of promises the devil made to Adam and Eve, which were really lies, mm. um, which were truths that were wrapped up in lies as well. So, yes, we are we are called to uh, follow him, but we find ultimate fulfilment when we please him in our lives. Yeah, and I, I think what you were saying there with the transformation that took place once you had that relationship restored is uh, is life-changing. Um, and so our purpose, uh, as you've mentioned, to please God, but as we really engage in that relationship with God, that enables us to fulfill that purpose and do things that are pleasing to God. And like you said, it's it's natural. That that should be the outcome. It's natural where, um, like you said, like you didn't even realize some of the things potentially that were even changing. Um, so that's that's great to hear. Um, and then I think also um, another verse that comes to my mind when it, when we talk about purpose. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, verse thirteen, mm. uh, and the book of Ecclesiastes is really about the purpose of life. And we get to the the last verse, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So, so what's the purpose of life? Where's the meaning in life? He says, uh, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Uh, so in other words, that the whole duty of man, again, this is how you please God. This is what man's responsibility is. And um, fearing God and keeping his commandments. Uh, how would you unpack that for the listeners as they, you know, as they throw themselves into their relationship with God and seek to please Him, this guidance here, fear God to keep His commandments, how does that give us a little more, uh, maybe, direction with that that pursuit? Well, my understanding about the, the fearing God from what Scripture teaches is that it's actually the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge to understand the fear of God. And people look at that and say, oh, yeah, you need to be scared that God's going to strike you down with a lightning bolt, you know, the first time you make a, you know, the first mistake that you make or if you sin. It's not that. It's actually, um, when you think about the God that we serve, and you gave an illustration of it today at church where you said, like, if, if we were, if you were to think of ants related to us and that relationship in terms of their size, their intelligence, and, I mean, who who's an ant that, that they would think that we would be mindful of them? Okay, where we can just step on them and walk over them without it, without even any hesitation, without worrying about or the impact it's going to have on their on their existence yeah. and you know all that sort of stuff. So, um, when you think about the the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent nature of God, um, it's it's too big for us to fathom, really. Mm. But when you understand that we're accountable to Him. When you understand his holiness and how far we fall short of his glory, um, you begin to you begin to appreciate um, the holiness, the perfection, the beauty um, of this being who we call God. This God who actually you know created all of life and the universe that we see around us um, is actually the same God that actually takes an interest in us. Um, so minuscule <laughs> in the whole thing, but simply because he created us in his image, 
and to please him, you then realize that you're accountable to him. So that's where the fear comes from, because we are accountable to him. And to be without him is death. And to um, to rebel against him is death. It, it's, it's actually just, it, it results in your own death. And, and he has every right um, to create a place called hell, where people who have chosen to rebel against him are going to spend the rest of eternity separated from him. And that's the ultimate death. Um, but that's where fear, that's where fearing God first comes into it, understanding that you're accountable to him and his holy nature, and that we are so, we are so short mm. in that. But the duty of man itself, and also says that the duty of man is, you know, the keeping of his commandments. Well, well we realize how good we were at that. You know, it, you can look at God and you can fear him and say, you know, God can punish me for, for sinning. And then you can try with all of your might to keep his commands. And you can, if that's your duty, then all right, we'll try. And then you'll fail today. And then you'll try again tomorrow. And then you're going to fail again. Mm. And then um, you'll realize in all of that, that you're so um, lacking um, in being able to please him that there has to be that you need something, you need someone else to save you. And that's where the scriptures say that it, it actually points us to Christ. So it acts like a schoolmaster to us. So before we're saved, okay, we'll try and keep the commands. And that can either steer you one of two directions. You, be, you can become like a Pharisee where you actually say, Oh, look at that. I've kept, you know, 15 commands today. I've broke, broken through, but not like, you know, brother so-and-so. He's worse than me. And so you end up with this rel relativistic religious system going on where you're trying to use the law to justify yourself before God. Um, but the, the scriptures simply tell us the law was there to point us to Christ. So it does two things. It shows us what pleases God. Two, it shows us we can't please God and that we are liable okay, to, to be accountable to him and we only deserve death and hell. And so then you look at what Christ said for us on the cross and you realize how much God actually loved us. He actually made a way to save us despite our own selves. And so then God, like I said, like I, I feel like he gives you not only the um, desire then after, after the Holy Spirit starts indwelling you and he livens up your spirit, he brings to life your spirit, but all of a sudden you have a new nature which which seeks to do those things. And you do those things almost, not automatically, it's almost without trying, right? But it's like Jesus said, I feel like it's um, where they asked Jesus in Matthew twenty two thirty six, 36, where you know, they said, Master, which is a great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto them, you know, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you look at if you look at the this whole thing about the law and keeping the law, it really hinges on how much you love God. Jesus says to his disciples, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so obedience then for a believer, um, and there's a whole lot of things that the New Testament tells us, okay, about what pleases God, um, actually comes now as part of the new nature that we have. And it brings us joy to want to please God, to obey him in those things. And so it's applicable, yes, to the believer. 
the fear of God is still there, but the love of God is like so vast. And so the Bible teaches us that we love him, you know, because he first loved us. And in that love, there is a, a desire to want to obey him because we know it pleases him. So that's where we find our, our fulfillment in loving him because he first loved us. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I think that really is maybe the, the foundation of it. Our love for God will motivate us to please him. Uh, so, Pastor Frank, I really enjoyed the uh, – I really appreciate you um, t- coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and appreciate those thoughts. And uh, just encourage everybody out there, once again, you matter. You were created on purpose for a purpose by God who loves you. And so if you don't know him, as we've talked about today, um, reach out to him. Uh, God is there. He, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be uh, restored to a, a right relationship with God. And, of course, you can you can reach out to me if you have questions, josh at rev411.org. Uh, or if you, um, I think I forgot to mention, Pastor Frank, your church, Faith Baptist Church, is in Faulkner. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So north side of, of the city in Melbourne. So if you're in that area, Pastor Frank, what's a good way uh, listeners in this area could, could reach you if they have questions or uh, maybe you're looking for a church? Um, well, if you're looking for a church in the north of Melbourne, um, yeah, you can look us up on the internet, which is faithbaptistchurch.org.au. Uh, you'll find out pretty much everything on there. And there's, and you can email us directly at ministry at faithbaptistchurch.org.au. So anyway, we can help. We'd be happy to, uh, to share the word of God with you and lead you to the truth. All right. Well, thanks again, uh, Pastor Frank. Appreciate you. And uh, as always, live on purpose and with purpose. God bless. God bless.